When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And welcome back to the Boundary Corner Podcast. Along with my partners, Brian Siegler, Jonathan Talley, and Shelton Moss, I am Curtis Wilson. And this episode is brought to you by Dr. Jeremy Counts down at the Main Street Pharmacy in Blacksburg, your friendly neighborhood pharmacy, 301 South Main Street in Blacksburg. Go visit him. One last game weekend, boys, in the Berg. How's everybody doing this Wednesday night? Man, it, it's uh, it's good to kind of change it up a little bit. We've had a few weeks where, you know, we've had something a little different. Tally's got the merch there. Go get that. Go, Go get, get that, that down. We got a but, lot of uh, hitting us up tonight. Yeah, man, it's nice to uh, switch it up a little bit, do it on a Wednesday, doing things a little different. Got to keep you all on your toes. Yeah, What's man, up? you never know where we're going to be. We just pop out anywhere. Now, BCP, not to be confused with BBC. <laughs> you know, we, back. we got Sheldon back in the building. Sheldon I got a little good. peach crown and tea in my cup tonight. Feeling good. Win, not only a win, a ass kicking. Mm-hmm. Hey, man, it's all good. All good. And Dreddy already in here. He ready to roll. We got Mr. Drones in here ready to roll. Hey, it's a good night, man. It is. My kid had a game last night. He got his ass kicked. Twisted his ankle. <laughs> oh, he twisted the oh, ankle. No. That ain't good, man. Oh shit. No, yeah, he good. just tweaked it a little bit. He uh, he played through it and uh, had uh, to put, is, a, put a brace on it. Hold on, because I know he plays baseball. Is it his push off ankle? Uh, that's right. No other ankle. Okay, no matter. Then. Yeah, you, you, you can deal with the landing ankle. We'll live with it. <laughs> John, how you been, man? You have taken a little bit of a sabbatical the last few weeks. How's life? Life has been good. I did take a sabbatical just to refresh and focus on other things, but I'm back. I got some some good stat nuggets, as always, for this podcast. How was Tulsa? It was awesome. So for those who don't know, I was in Oklahoma uh, the weekend before this past one, working with the Charlotte 49ers football team, went out to Tulsa, Oklahoma, got a big come from behind overtime victory there. We We got out as soon as we could, which is nice. But it was it was it was good. Uh, first time ever going to Oklahoma, so I had I had a great time. And that was birthday weekend too, right? It was birthday weekend. We had a nice steakhouse dinner. Got to celebrate a little bit of a dessert. So all in all, it was a pretty good, pretty solid trip. I uh, I would I would definitely recommend Tulsa. All right, definitely recommends Tulsa. Um, how about this? If if you don't know, 
most of drones, you want a cup like that where you can you find one, go to our website, boundarycorner.com. There is a merchandise shop. You can get cups. You can get boundarycornervt.com. Boundarycornervt.com. Excuse me. I'll mm-hmm. also have that at the end right here. Brian, I'll let you if you got a second. While I'm it's up there at the top, this. right? It's at the top. Boundarycornervt.com. Yep. <laughs> top, right there. It's the drones. I'll do you one better. Uh, message me on Twitter, and I will send you one. So give me send me your information and I'll get you a cup. There you go. There you go. Tally hooking a man up here. All right, fellas. All right, fellas. There you go, Tally. He heard you out there. Awesome. Awesome. Well, we do have a football game to talk about, and we are going to talk about that. But we're going to hit this first, and then we're going to talk about some of the stuff that happened in Hokie Sports last week just for a bit. First of all, Rowdy for Robbie. Y'all see it as my hashtag there. Um we don't know quite yet where they're going to be located this week for the game. Grayson Wimbush, give him a follow. He can tell you where it is. As always, it is $7. It is always at the pharmacy. Venmo it right there. Get uh, this for this season. Great cause to support. All right, let's talk about hoops, both men's and women's first. Let's talk about men's because literally on this TV back here, you want to see it right there, we just finished watching a game versus Campbell. I got to watch some of the second half. Tally texted, said he was watching some of the first. Shelton watched. Um, would anybody like to give their thoughts on this game? <laughs> I'm just going to say, not to sound too negative, it wasn't shooting good in that first half. I think we was like 0 for 10 before we hit our first three. Uh, Couture hit it. And um, if this team is going to live and, buy, live and die by the three, um, we cannot play ACC. ACC teams that way. Uh, you play a Virginia like that or a Duke like that or Anybody. North Carolina State like that, you're going to be down quick. Yeah. So, um, I mean, they did – I can't say uh, – kid, look, kid looks different, you know. He kind of – he cut his hair, so he definitely – like, he just – appearance looks different, but it looks like he slammed up a little bit um, or, or just like – muscled up a little bit and I think he's averaging like 16 and 10 right now. You know, I know it's only been like three games, but last year he only averaged like four points. So yeah. he's taking on a bigger role this year and um he looks good. So uh, I was watching with my son and he was like, they're not hitting no shots. How they win? And I was like, well, the team they're playing is not doing good either. Yeah. And that big man is, is doing work. So he's eating. He's eating. Uh, yeah. yeah. So, I think he ended up with what, 24 and 15. Yeah, something like that. I think he had like the first ten points. So he 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 was doing some work. So that's that's what I seen from the day. Sean, what about you? I know you got to watch a little bit more of it than I think we did. I know, and you were telling us you were telling us beforehand. Sheldon doesn't count November in college basketball the way it seems. Well, I mean, it's 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 just you know hard to know how to react to these types of games because you're playing a inferior opponent that you should take care of business of, and sometimes it's hard to. <clears throat> get get those kids up for it but i thought i thought lincoln had a great game he has really polished his offensive game around the paint 24 and 15 just has really good length and athleticism and he puts it to good use uh problem is you know i just don't know who can really create their shot outside of padula or kid right now obviously they didn't have nickel tyler nickel who's out sick but you just look at the offense and they just they nothing's clicking right now and they don't have the offensive weapons i don't think that they did last year to to some degree so we'll see how it all plays out i know it's still early and it's still november but i do have some concerns but i'm, I'm gonna try to wait and just 
take the pragmatic approach and see if they can figure things out in the next couple of weeks. Brian, anything? I don't know how much you got to see. Yeah, I mean, right now, like to me, the MJ Collin lies are coming to fruition. Like I, I, I thought we were going to see some <laughs> some different business out of him. We were not seeing that yet. Uh, the rest of the team just did not have a good shooting, uh, especially in the first half, good shooting night. Um, you know, thankfully, you know, kid was doing some work, and we had some uh, some 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 key points here and there, and and it played a little bit better defense than I think we did. Um, you know, got the gate. So yeah, I know it's, I know the opponent isn't great. So it's really hard to kind of put, put a, put a stamp on that or a grade on that, but you know, they, they, they think they shot under 25% from the field and right at 20% from three. Um, we, we weren't much better from three, but we were at least in the kind of upper side of the thirties from, from field goals. So you know, it's hard hard to take away a, a lot of positives from that, but you got to win. That's that that's the biggest uh, biggest piece you can take away. Yeah, got to win. And unlike Friday night against the Gamecocks, you know, we lost by two. But there's something I noticed, and it's both games. I didn't see it in the Coppin State game, but the first part of the game, I was kind of doing stuff, and it reminds me of the football team this year. We are starting super slow. We're starting cold. We can't find a groove, and that proved to be doom versus South Carolina. Because we stormed back in the second half, and and yes, you can say, well, if Padula turned turned the ball over right there at the end with a chance to tie, we could have tied it and maybe won that game. The whole thing is, if you're having to battle back that hard and you shoot like you did in the first half again this game and last game, there's going to be a lot of problems throughout the season. And they've got to get that figured out. And I was mentioning to Brian before both y'all hopped on, unlike last year, this year, with Auburn around the corner and with Boise State coming up, two teams that were in the NCAA tournament, you're going to probably somewhere between, if you don't win either one of those games, what, four and four? Mm-hmm. Four and four? Five and yep. three going into conference play, and that's not good. Um, let's talk about – they've got Wofford later this week. I'm sure that will be on ACC uh, ACCNX. I'm pretty sure it is. And uh, watching that little thing. Let's talk about the women's game last Thursday. Um, first of all, what a game. Yeah. Regardless, you know, what a game. Um, Hokies come out on the, the losing end of that. So, Sheldon, did you get a chance to watch that game or are you working on Thursday night? Um, which one? Iowa Tech last Thursday. Yes, indeed. I was uh, actually – I was there. It was <gasps> an awesome game. It was uh, – Lived up to hype. I'm only about 30 minutes uh, light rail from the Spectrum Center, so nice. I went down there with a friend. I would say, regardless of the outcome, it was just fantastic to watch. I mean, every it lived up to the billing. You had Caitlin Clark going off and George Amor going off, hitting a, a buzzer beater three in the first quarter from half court. So great game. I think biggest takeaway is, you know, Tech's got to work some things out. I think they got really hurt by foul trouble. Because they they had I think they had two two of their wings Kayla King and Carly Winslow had you know three plus fouls in the first half and they just mm-hmm. Kenny just couldn't play them so you had to go with you know four big lineups that were really bad for spacing and shot creation and against a team like Iowa it's just it's just not going to work so you know credit to Kaylin Clark I thought she the way she drives and the way she uses her her arm to sort of initiate contact uh, she's really really good at drawing fouls and that obviously mm-hmm. hurt us we just they just couldn't defend her so. I mean, it is what it is. You, you lost to you lost to the best player in the court, so can't make too much of it. But I just thought it was a fantastic game, and 
I think tech has has a lot of uh, a lot of room to improve. And that's a crazy thing to say. You said it's a lot of room to improve, and to me, it means this team's good. This team's going to hang with anybody in the country all year. Um, you mentioned uh, more, and a lot of people were jumping on Liz Kittle. Liz Kittle went sixteen and sixteen, and she got elbowed in the face, and she was out. Where me and Brian, we were sitting downstairs on Thursday night playing poker. When she got that elbow to the face, me and Brian, we said, me and you kind of mentioned, like, man, we're not the same team. Because at that point, I think we were, like, up. And then did that when the swing happened, when she took the elbow right there? Yeah, it it felt like that was kind of – even though she really didn't miss that much time in terms of court time, like, there was a little bit of, like, a a sigh there that it took – I think it took the team a little while to kind of reboot a little bit because by the time – you know, we, we kind of got back in the groove. We were down like, you know, four or five at that point. Um, and then it, it ballooned a little bit further after that before they kind of made that run at the end to make it a, a pretty tight one to close yeah. out. Yep. Tally, yeah. anything on this? You watch a game? You get a chance to? Yeah, man. I mean, I, I, I didn't get to watch the whole game, but I watched a little bit of it and then went back and watched some highlights. And, um, I mean, it's a lot of ladies that was balling on that court. And kind of like y'all said, when Kitley gets hurt, or is out of the game a little bit when you have a, a fixture on your team, kind of how she is, you know, man, she was six, six, you know, and skilled and can move. Like she's taking up a lot of space on the court. So everything that she does um, affects the game. Even if she's just standing there with her hands up, True. you know, people got to shoot around her. They got to pass around her. So her being out, you know, that kind of, that kind of hurts the team even if it's just for a little bit of time. And I think Sheldon kind of hit it as well. The foul trouble when you're playing, you know, a team that's guard oriented, like, um, like um, Iowa was, it's just like, you gotta, you gotta find a way to keep everybody on the court. And uh, Kaylin Clark is like James Harden, man. (laughs) Prime James (laughs) Harden. Like she finds the fouls. She's going to, she's going to initiate the the contact and find the fouls, man. So um, I think, what I liked about it was seeing that matchup early in the season um, because we expect that that uh, woman's team to be good. Yeah. Seeing them go against another team that we expect to be good and seeing a showing like that is what you expect. So, you know, you didn't expect to go in and get blew out or blow somebody else out, you know. So I think that'll help them in the long run. All righty. Couple last piece with Hokie Sports, real quick to uh, wrap up. Wrestling happened last Friday night. Um, Sheldon, I know you. I know you pay attention to wrestling in November because I know you pay attention to wrestling all season. <laughs> I hope that was sarcastic. I hope that was sarcastic. By the way, what you all you <laughs> talked about it all last year? How much you liked wrestling? I've I've slowly gotten into it. Yes, but I'm very much a a novice in the sport. That's why we're going to bring Fuqua on, and Fuqua can educate you. I should give you his number, and you just text him all the time. Um, <laughs> we lose 24-12, but we only lose four of six matches. Yeah. And, and everybody's like, if you look at the score, we got the doors blown off. You would think we lost so many matches. But er- wrestling's that weird sport where how you lose determines on how many points you're given. I, you know, you get pinned, and that did happen, unfortunately. I think it's Sam Fisher. That's like an eight-pointer right there. Yeah. You lose another way, it's five. You lose another way, it's four. Um, I don't think it's bad. It's early in the season. We're still a good team. Um, it, it, to me, it's an after getting into it and having a friend like Fuqua out there who can tell you what's happening. 
it is a fascinating sport to watch. Yeah, I mean, I was watching. I watched a little bit. Um, you know, I think uh, you know having a couple upsets, I think, is what kind of shifted the tide even bigger. So you, Eddie you loses have, right off the bat and getting smashed. Yeah, you, you have a couple upsets, then you have have one pin that really kind of swings the uh, the momentum in the other direction. Um, you know, the if you look at the matches themselves, it wasn't wasn't that big of a discrepancy, but it was kind of how it went down. Um, that kind of played the played the role there in, in that big uh, you know they, where they doubled us up in points. So exactly. um, tough one, but you know they turned it around, got another easy one um, out the gate there. So yeah. um, I think there's still going to be a good squad, and I think you know we see these guys settle in a little bit. Hopefully they can put out a better showing, especially once we get to um, some of the ACC showdowns there. Absolutely. You know who's a you know who's a wrestling whisperer that people may not know. And Hokey Twitter, Joe Rogers. Joe Rogers knows a lot about wrestling. Yep. And uh, I does. talked to him a lot about wrestling, man. He uh he was a wrestler. Um, I'll let him tell his story if he ever wants to tell it. But uh, I talked to him a little bit about the match, and he said that um we're we were we were uh wrestling two guys that were not really supposed to be wrestling, uh, because two of our top guys didn't make weight. Um they came in too heavy. So that kind of put us at a disadvantage. And I think he said another one of our starters was um, wrestling overseas or something this year. Uh, there was a couple of things that happened that kind of weren't expected. That weren't expected. Like so that. if anybody wants to know about some wrestling, when he ain't talking crazy, he actually has some pretty <laughs> good talks about wrestling. Joe Rogers. All Shout right. out to Joe. There Hit him go. up. Tell Joe Rogers. Say, hey, man, I don't want to talk about fucking LED lights today. I want to talk to wrestling. And guess what, man? He'll give you some good info. I'm telling you. That's my guy, man. Joe Rogers, come tell your story. Come tell your story. All right, real quick this week, end of the week, another good big matchup. Rutgers, a top 15 matchup up in Piscataway. Hopefully a better showing than Ohio State. Before we get to our game, we got to talk about one thing that's happened in college football already. There's already were two firings this year. Uh, Pat Fitzgerald got fired early, early in the season. I think before the season started, Mel Tucker got fired. Um, uh, by the way, I looked on Pete Thamel's reporting the guy who replaced Fitzgerald, who has gone five and five. Tally, we met me and you talked about it early. Like, there, like, how do you even that team's five and five? Dave Braun is the guy, he's been the interim coach, he's going to get the label removed, going to be the head coach. But over the weekend, at no shocker, several firings. Couple of them justified, couple of them whatever. The big one was Jimbo Fisher got fired. Yep, fuck him. Um, I hate Jimbo. Well, you can hate him, but I'd like to. He's be, rich. I, he's rich. <laughs> Did he's rich without the, having to do shit for the next years. several years. <laughs> well, okay, his buyout seventy five. He'll million. be. He, somebody Did said he'll be in total buyout of the whole staff. Yeah, ain't it? no, I didn't. What is it? You already want to know. 150 million <laughs> to do yes. shit to do nothing Son they didn't do nothing bitch. 150 million i mean that's just saying if the guys well first of all how stupid I, I, that's how stupid money they have down there most people yeah. will have that clause in the contract that says if you get another job we ain't paying you no more right we ain't paying you no more. Uh, th- thank you, Rex. Seventy-six million. I, I was a million dollars off. 
Man's gonna buy a house down in uh, Pensacola with that seventy-six million. But crazy. that's crazy. So you got Texas A&M now open. Andy Avalos, who uh, Boise got fired, and Zach Arnett, Mississippi. Zach Arnett was put in the worst possible yeah. spot. Yeah, he was in a bad spot. I mean, and you know, so you got those firings going. I don't on. know, man. The dude from the dude from uh, Northwestern was in a bad spot too. They he was it. having car wash Dickens up there. <laughs> <laughs> Like it was some crazy stuff going on up there. And did y'all had this like yeah, people transferring, yeah, people getting naked. Fucking rubbing. Hey, go read the story, man. I'm I'm oh, I read it. Oh, no, I, read I read it. it. I'm just a messenger. <laughs> they had some crazy stuff going on up there. So five and five, there's no way if you'd have told me he was gonna win five games with what was going on up there, I would have said you crazy. I swear that that's the first time Car Wash Dickens has been said on a podcast. Car Wash Dickens, man. That's the first time Car Wash Dickens has ever been done. Like, I done seen a lot of crazy stuff in football locker rooms. I've never heard of anybody saying, you got to go through a dick car wash. As what, That's how we're going to, that's how we're going to haze you. Bro, that is some crazy. Hey, some of y'all football players, man, if y'all want to be gay, it's cool to be gay in 2023. Just go be gay, man. Stop doing the crazy shit in the locker rooms. <laughs> do like Dwight Howard. Shit, go do what he did. <laughs> we don't care. Just don't be taking it out on innocent. Dwight people, Howard man. catching a stray on Boundary Corner Podcast. Dwight Howard. <laughs> That's just for him being terrible with the Lakers. All right. So, obviously, a lot of guys getting fired. A lot of coordinators already fired as well. I always like to – I keep up with that stuff because it always is trickle effects and who's going to get you and then people start – I almost want to create a fake Twitter account and just start throwing out random rumors. You like, might as well. Everybody Chris else Marv, Chris Marv to Mississippi State. He coached there five years ago. They want him. Do it. Why not? I mean, all right. Well, well you, know who, you know who does that, though, Curtis, for real? The agents. Oh, the hell agents yeah. put out so many smoke oh, screens. they put out so much shit. Yeah. Just so they can get more money for their, for their, uh, uh, their guys where they are. So, yeah, you might as well do it. They doing it. All righty. All righty, real quick here. It is now time to tell the truth. And it's Tell the Truth Wednesday, not Tell the Truth Tuesday, a, a segment we started this year. And we always start with the good and what went well. And I need to ask y'all this question. Was that the same team that played at Louisville two weeks ago? Because that didn't look like the same team. Same players, same bodies, different <laughs> souls. Different coaches. That, that team came mentality. to play. The, the coaches came to coach. <laughs> that was one of the uh, – I'll say that's probably like the maybe second or third game I think that we've like head and shoulders out coached another team. Yeah. In the prior. I mean, they, they haven't – there haven't been many. That was one of them. We head and yeah. shoulders out coached that other team. Uh, and we outplayed them too. Yeah. Which which is just as important. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. We I outplayed them. Something, Tally, you mentioned we were more physical. Mm-hmm. We were aggressive. We were mean at points and times. And the one thing I love, because Boston College prided itself on controlling the clock, we controlled the clock. Mm-hmm. We controlled the game beginning to end. And I want to start with offense, because I'm not kidding. I'm looking at the box score, and it's been reiterated. 600 yards of total offense. That's nuts. 237 passing. 363 on the ground and that they weren't they're not a 
maybe adjusted their bad. They weren't a terrible defense. It, it's not like they were the 106th-ranked defense in the country. They were somewhere in the 40s or 50s. Um, Sheldon, anything – I'm going to throw it to you because these guys have been chatting. I, I, don't, I don't know if you worked Saturday or did you have to catch it on the back end in replays? Yeah, I was able to watch watch the vast majority of it. I kind of tuned out a little bit towards the uh, second half just because it was such a blowout. But <laughs> yeah, but yeah, what, it was good. It was good. But let's well, Sheldon, about- was, Sheldon wasn't worried at all. No, the he whole, wasn't. The whole week he was like, "What are He's- y'all talking about? We're gonna beat them, and we're gonna beat them handily." And I'm like, "Dude, yeah. I don't know, man. I don't know <laughs> if you watching the same fucking team I'm watching." And he was cool. Yeah, you were. You need to bet with him. Shit. He he texted us. Was a Saturday. We will win, and it's just like, yeah, yeah it was, damn, definitive. Right. We will win. Like, okay. Dude, whenever he hits people with that, though, it's usually like he's got his reason. He's pretty spot on when he goes. Spot on, that man. Day. Yeah. Same with the weight game. All right. Well, let's talk about some of these guys. Let's talk about Kyron Drones first, because Kyron Drones two nineteen through the air, two touchdowns. 135 on the ground, including an unbelievable 59-yard run. That was a wild-ass run. One thing I noticed, and, and y'all tell me about this, he is looking more – and this was this was the one that really jumped out to me. On those reads, he is getting more decisive on his pulls. He is getting more decisive. He is giving – he's also getting more leeway. He knows – he's starting to see it better, in my opinion. Because there were a couple times he ripped it out of Tootin's gut and just took off up the middle. And maybe that was the, the play, but it just looked like I know exactly what I'm doing on this play. The, the no, one that impressed get- me the most was when he kind of pulled it late. Um, <clears throat> the DN, the Reed DN, kind of slow played a little bit, and he held it to the last second. As soon as he saw him lean just a little bit, pulled it out, did a little uh, little stutter step out wide. And got, I think it was about a 15-yard gain on that one. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, I mean, definitely more decisive in the reads. Um, the, the confidence level is is through the roof right now for him, right. um, mm-hmm. and you you see it playing out. It looks like the leadership is developing a lot more on the field. Um, he, he's he's feeling more comfortable with checks. You see him checking, not waiting on the call coming in. Him him checking it. That's that's a big deal. It, it's showing that he's really confident in the offense now, and we're starting to see that come to fruition in terms of yardage output, scoring output. Allie, what you got? Oh no, man! I'm just a fan. I just watched the game, but watching and seeing stuff that I've seen and been talking about, hey man, kind of seemed like we know what we're talking about. I mean, the more and more comfortable that Kyron gets, it's like it's scary to watch him play. You know, I would I do want him to protect himself when he's playing, but he's a football player. You know, I don't want him running 20 times and running people over 20 times a game, but. When he makes up in his mind that he is going to leave his his stamp on the game, that's what he does at the beginning of the game. And I hate that it takes him doing that for the team to, like, come out and wake up. But when he does that, man, like, you see a different offense. Like, it'll be one run where you'll see him just – he picks somebody out and he punishes them. Yep. Like, they don't – when you get to the third and fourth quarter and you keep having to hit a person – you know, two then drones, then you know, you might get hit by Felton, you may get hit by Wright. Like, you don't want to keep hitting them people. You know, I've seen in games where we're taking the fight to people, they give up. It's too much, you know. So 
the only thing, that, and I don't want to keep going back to, you know, the bad, but the only thing that pisses me off is because we had that nice stage to show what our guys can do when we went to Louisville. Yeah. And I feel like we didn't have the confidence to do it. And I feel like that was the coaches that didn't have a confidence to do it. But again, somebody put it in the, in the, um, in the, com- in the comments, which we talked about it last week, uh, just having routines, you know, I know the big story that came out where they said the team, you know, they had the early wake up call, you know, hell, you got to fight. You got to bring, if that's a routine you got to have, or you got to do things like that to get your team up, then you got to do it, you know, go wake some people up early and bang on the walls, whatever you got to do, piss them off. Cause they showed winning the game and looked like they was pissed off. But I like what I see. If we can do that every week, win or lose, I'm happy. Yep. All right, I'm going to flip it over here because we talk about the running. You talk about the punishing runs. But he was 12 for 17, 219 yards and two touchdowns. And if you look at his season stats, you know, right at 60% throwing the ball, over 1,500 yards, nine TDs, two picks. Um, And, Sheldon, I I hit you up and just – where is it looking like? What's his favorite parts of the field? Is he is he lean one way, or is it is he is he more of a shotgun type guy where it's all around? What are you seeing when you did that little dive for us? Well, I haven't looked specifically at some of the passing directional splits, but I think they're definitely targeting the sidelines, taking some of those deep shots downfield, sort of going away from more towards the middle of the field. I can pull up his directional splits in a second, but. You know, and, and they've also worked, you know, behind the line of scrimmage, the screen game with some of those swing passes to the running backs. So I think the staff has done a good job of, you know, making easy throws and, and throws that have a very low chance of being intercepted. Um, and as Kyron has built off his previous successes, as he gets more reps and experience, he's able to handle a bigger load. And you've kind of seen the running game open up more, which opens up, of course, the passing game too. So I think just a combination of, you know, easy, simple throws and, and get your get your playmakers out in space and go east to west because that's where, you know, that's where the running backs are their best. I mean, obviously, Tech is not a team that can run between the tackles. So you get those guys outside and in and, and space where they can make plays. That's where they're at their best. Yeah, and speaking of two guys who are getting outside in space, it was the Quan and Quan show up there Saturday. Daquan Wright, Daquan Felton, both leading the way, uh, both um, – um, Felton over 100 yards did not get a touchdown, but had that 70 yard bomb where they jumped. Kyron knew they jumped and he launched it. That's what a good quarterback does. Mm-hmm. If you know you're going to get five and there's going to be another play, get it downfield. He dropped a dime on that. And what, then, I, what I loved about that is, uh, if you looked at the corner, like he saw the jump and like hesitated just a little bit. Quan ran right by him. Mm-hmm. Drone saw that, put it up there right on his fingertips. 70 yards later, that was a big play, man. And that's just playing together, man. The more you play together, you know what the person on the other end is going to do. You know, that's why, again, we'll talk about in the state of the program, big what-ifs. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. And then and then Daquan kind of showed out this week. Daquan's Brian's boy. Daquan's Ryan boy for – Tight end, man. Tight end. Well, listen, he he Brian has said literally, and this goes back years now, Daquan Wright is not an 86. Daquan Wright is a good, good player. And and mm-hmm. and he had a good game. Some that one catch where Kyron put it between guys and he just snatched it. Did he catch one, it with one hand? One hand. hand. One hand. One hand. Like Full extension. One hand. Yeah. And yeah. kept going. 
I mean, and, and it just shows you the development of him. It shows you the development of the pass game. And Shelton, have you been able to get those splits yet? Yeah, I'm looking at them right here, actually. So, what's the you know, splits look like? Yeah, so I'm just kind of kind of going through it. Um, he's Jones has been most successful, actually, sort of between the numbers in that zero to ten range. So I think that's probably a result of we're seeing some more RPO slants. We saw one uh, mm-hmm. to. I can't remember who it was. The I think the second or third touchdown against BC. Whoever ran that that inside slant, that end breaking route um, for the tutty. I think it might have been Lane, but someone check, fact check me on that. Wide Allison. Yeah, it was Gosnell. It was Gosnell. Yeah, it was Gosnell. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so they've had success with that, which I think is great to see because you know we haven't always seen uh, you know the coaching staff that can take advantage of those of those mm-hmm. numbers. Um, so, mm-hmm. and then elsewhere, you know, he's doing pretty well. Between the numbers, 10-plus yards downfield and also behind the line of scrimmage, um, you know, both to to the field side and also to to the boundary side. So, I mean, pretty good splits overall, 92 touchdown interception ratio. I mean, I like the numbers, and I think the, the staff has done a good job of sort of truncating the passing game to where, again, you're not you're not making risky throws. You're just kind of taking what, what the defense gives you and, and kind of what suits his strengths. But it's also a thing, too. A good coaching staff will effectively – you talk about the – zero to tens behind the lines, boundary field, whatever. You pepper that, somebody makes somebody miss, people come up, they come up, linebackers start turning their heads right. They're going out, safety start putting their nose, they don't come back. And then you have the play to Felton. And then you have some of those deep bombs. You have the – I still love that RPO slant that he threw to Lane back there in the weight game because we peppered him and we've been running the ball well. He hit that thing, and that safety walked up. And as soon as he walked up, he pulled, he cocked, he fired. And as soon as you hit his like, they ain't He's nobody gone. back there. He's gone. He's gone. All right. Well, let's talk about uh, the running game because Hiram carried the load, but Bayshell Tootin, you know, give him his credit as well. You know, 78 yards, not one, not two, three touchdowns. What a difference he's made, right, Tally? Oh, man. He, he probably could have had 150. They took him out. You know what I'm saying? He, we we need him for the rest of the games. Like he made it a point to to fuck BC up. Like you know, he was committed to BC, and then he flipped and came here. Yep. You know how that is. Like we're usually the one who get the revenge games. This these people they didn't give this kid a chance, and like the Boogie Bashams and the Daz Newsoms of the world used to fuck us up. You know what I'm saying? It was good to have somebody on our team that won't let the fuck somebody else up. It was like nice. that's that, that third nice touchdown to was an angry run. Yeah, man. it's just hey, you could tell it meant something to him. You know what I'm saying? But even more than that, when you talk about you know going back to what uh, Curtis said and what Shelton said, you know, peppering different plays in. Like I hate to use the term fucking people up, but when you keep fucking people up with certain plays, like their eyes are gonna start, you know, turning and looking at different things. If you go back to the Malachi Thomas touchdown. Him and Felton was slapping hands walking into the end zone. And the the corner or the, the linebacker, whoever was on Felton, was so scared that he was going to beat them deep, he never turned around to look at the running back. If you go look at that play, he is following Felton all the way to the end zone. He never turns and looks at the running back. Yep. So it, 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 Felton, Felton didn't even have to block him. He just ran him off. So when you, when you are a threat, when you are a star – you know, people have to take notice of you. Uh, they have to game plan for you. 
So somebody like, I know we're going to get the defense, like APR, yeah. even if he doesn't get another sack, people have to game plan for him. He is on their minds all the he, time. He's on their minds, so they have to run certain plays because he has done what he's done in the past, you know. Yep. So 100%. We, we haven't had that in some years on offense and defense where people are game planning for our players. So it's crazy to think, man, we still ain't seen this offense at full strength. Mm-mm. Like, you know, we ain't even going to start talking about next year and all of this stuff, but this we still week. ain't seen it at full strength. We'll save that for state of the program too. Yeah, okay. definitely. <laughs> now, Sel, I ask you to look up something inside the 10-yard line because Basial Tudin's three touchdown runs were all inside the 10. And I wanted to find out how good were we last year inside Because in my mind – Maybe I'm lying to myself. I felt like we were not a good team inside the 10-yard line last year. You were lying to yourself, yes. Oh, okay. Um, uh, So the number last year was success rate. So rushing success rate inside the 10, we were about 62%, which ranks 19th in the country. So obviously it's a pretty good number. I would say when it comes to, you know, those types of like field splits, you you, you don't want to make too much out of them just because, you know, most of the issues with sample size, you're kind of, you know, cherry picking one particular segment of the field. Um, you know, it's possible for a team maybe doesn't have a great offense, but maybe they get lucky inside of 10. I mean, I, I saw when I was running the numbers like Northwestern, their offense was terrible last year, but I think they were second in rushing successor inside of 10. So, you know, make of that what you will, but obviously, you know, you got to, you got to be able to convert when you can. And um, they did a really good job of that uh, last week. It's pretty simple. Last year, you only get down there three times and you score two times right. out of the whole year. Exactly. You know exactly. what I'm saying? Like, you get down there versus Wofford and Liberty and score, fuck it. Now, you had a good year inside the 10, but we wasn't getting inside the 10 a lot. So right. that's what the problem was. Well, I'll throw this out to y'all. Y'all know who, how many we got this year? And I know I, I gave away, we gave three Saturday. How many times we scored inside the 10-yard line this year? Running the ball. Just running. How many we got? No. Ten, we got ten touchdowns inside the ten this year. Um, and to me, I know I don't know how it goes to success rate, but when I think of just kind of think of this season offenses, we uh, got one more thing to look at. All right, we played ten games. If you can score a bomb on one, a short yardage on one, a medium play on one, that's twenty-one points. And you know, if you get down there once a game. All right, Sheldon, real quick, let's talk about the offensive lines. Give me some good grades, give me some bad grades, and give me some snack counts because I felt like we were mixing it up a little bit more um, on numerous positions. Yeah, so first off, to start with the offensive line, um, a little bit of good, a little bit of bad. Xavier Chaplin was the best grader at left tackle. He was around a 75. Uh, Cade Moore Center was pretty average. Um Parker Clements, a little bit above average. Braylon Moore, a little bit below average. And then trying to find Clements here. Um, yeah, Clements was kind of average too. So, you know, there was some some hit or miss. I mean, I think – and Bob Schick in there too with uh, with 40 snaps. He was right around 62.7, which, again, is kind of a barely, you know, passing grade. So I think what PFS basically said was it was an okay offensive line performance. Uh, really just, you know, it was mostly just drones and tune making plays happen. And also I think the, the wide receiver blocking, at least from what I saw from guys like Felton was, was pretty solid. How much did Brody and how much Johnny Garrett get? Because I know John, I saw 79 a few times on the field Saturday. Yeah. So Brody played 40 snaps and he was okay. 
Okay. And then Johnny Garrett played 17, and he was a little bit a little bit below average. Nice, Brian. What what did you take from watching the tape? Um, I, I'm. It's kind of the the same thing. We're we're improving. We're seeing some incremental steps forward. Um, in terms of play overall, I think getting Brody in there more has helped a lot with that. Um, he's he's looked pretty good from from what I'm seeing uh, on the tape. But I think more than anything, it's Bowen and Drones really becoming very comfortable with how this offense is flowing right now. Um, and that's opening up a lot, and it's making the offensive line's job a lot easier. Because when you have a running threat, and especially now that we've been working the ball outside east to west with the running backs a lot more, you know, Drones is really the guy that's attacking up the middle, and that's a little, little bit more effective with that misdirection than just running like an inside zone um, with, with your running back. So that's where you're seeing some of those additional creases opening up there. I think so that that's helping a lot. And then once you get that happening, you know, you get the safeties creeping up, you get the linebackers kind of keying on the running backs, and now you've got some additional room to operate in the passing game too. So it's it's all kind of feeding on it on itself right now, which is great for us because we're we're seeing some success in in all phases on offense right now. All righty, well that's gonna wrap up what went well for the offense. We got to go to the defense. I, I know we've got a lot to do on this, but when when we have a good thing, we got to talk about it. And I want to ask Tally. Tally, you sitting there at the house. It's about 11. I don't know if you made a sandwich, watch a game or not. But they get the ball first. What was your thoughts with the first play of the game, man? Well, you know what? I actually was not at the house making sandwiches. I was on the road going to the casino. Oh. My wife was off work. My wife was off work. Uh, she's been she, – she started a new job at the hospital. She's been working a lot of hours, and she was like, hey, I'm off this weekend. We went to a concert Friday night. It was like old school, hip-hop, Twister, Juvenile, okay. Paul Wall. Yeah, we went to that yeah. Friday night, had a good time, <laughs> you know, got home by 10, man. We got home early. We old. Went to bed, got up early the next morning, hit the road. So we're on the road to the casino. Uh, it's about three and a half hours away. And I got my phone sitting there. You know, I got my headphones in, and – First play of the game defensively, fucking Dorian Strong with that ugly ass forty four on that I've been talking about for years. <laughs> it's like, why are you gonna try to throw the ball to my side of the field? You know, he jumps in front of it, dies. I'm like, is he in? Is he out? He was in. Pick. Hey, we taking it back the other way. You know. So that was exciting, man. That was exciting to be on the road. Um, the defense came. The whole team came to play, but like. It just feel good for Dorian, man. Like him being injured last year. Um I, I heard somebody talk about, it. I can't remember who, on one of the podcasts. I think it may have been Don V talking about, you know, the last time Dorian was in Boston College, he got a pick, you know. When yep. he got the pick when he was there, he was seemed like he was anxious with the ball. You know, he's looking to the sideline. What do I do? Where do I go? No, nah, this this game, he said, I know exactly what to do. You know, you ain't going to throw the ball to my side. I'm going to take the whole team down here. We're going to celebrate. So that was uh, that was good to see, man. I was uh, ecstatic to watch just him have a great game like that, but the whole team as well. Brian, what do you think about that second one when you watched it? I mean, that first one, you said it, Tally. He just – he undercut it. He just yep. – mm-hmm. like, I know – and if listening to him talk, if y'all didn't hear his interview, he was like – we saw that play dialed up. As soon as he stuck his like foot in the ground, I knew what he was doing. I just knew mm-hmm. what I had to do. But, Brian, let's talk about the second one because at that point in time, 
that that had to hurt them because you knew as soon as Castellano throw it, he thought that oh he's open, I got him. He did not have him because Dorian had inside leverage and good position the whole way down. Went up, made the play. Ball was a little underthrown. So mm-hmm. I mean, and and this is going to you know looking at big picture. I mean, Dorian's really had quietly a very very good season. Mm-hmm. And yes. I think he's fine. Like getting things like this, getting on the stat sheet in a meaningful way, I think is going to be good in terms of like all ACC uh, accolades and things like that. But I mean, he's quietly had a very good year out there at cornerback. Yeah. Yes. Yep. Now, Sheldon, what does the what does the statistic say about him? Is I mean, does the data like his play? Do they not like his play? Because he does have three picks, five pass deflections, sixteen tackles. Um, what are they saying about his grades? Well, the analytics love Dorian Strong. He's fifty six out of all Power Five cornerbacks this season. I think, I think there's there's about two hundred fifty qualified in the year, forty eighth in coverage, and he has the second best passer rating when targeted among all power five cornerbacks in the country. So Damn. right around 14.6, only completing 29% of their passes. And you mentioned the three interceptions, the longest pass play he's allowed this season is 18 yards. So he's been, he's been locked down in coverage the entire season. That is, that is damn. All that. <laughs> well, and that's why we got, that's why Shelton's here. Cause Shelton knows where to go, what to look for. Um, that's second in the country. <laughs> That's that's impressive, um, really. So is the eighteen. Um, let's roll off. Let's talk about let's talk about the front seven next in a couple ways. This BC Russian attack was ninth in the country coming in, two hundred and eleven yards a game. They went for just one twenty four. Their season low. The first time they had been held under one hundred and fifty since the first game of the season, way back on Labor Day weekend against Northern Illinois. And you know, we you take a look at it and something we talked about, like if, if we can get that stopped and force them to throw, I said three, he threw two. Yeah. They were in prop. They there, were in there, prop. There's a BC fan out there that will tell you that game flow dictated the way this went. <laughs> oh, you killed him. <laughs> if, 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 if everybody didn't argument. see that, Brian killed yeah, him. That weekend. Yeah, that was fucking dumb. I mean, it, game you know, flow, your first play of the game, you threw a pick. Like you're a running football team, and you thought you were gonna catch us slipping, uh, and say, "Hey, they hadn't been tested. We are gonna throw the ball on the first play of the game." No, it didn't work. So your game flow was fucked up. That didn't have nothing to do with us. You got your ass beat. Take your L. It is what it is. Well, my, so, my band said that they abandoned the run after they went down ten, and like I'm watching the tape back, and I'm like, "Motherfucker!" After after we went down ten, you ran like. Of, I think you had like seven or eight plays on the next drive and six of them were runs. Shut the yeah. fuck up. <laughs> and they still ran the ball more than they passed it. It's copium, they 28 man. to 20. Yeah, people, are gonna, runs. Yeah, people are going to cope. Oh, you know, they just, they just weren't able to, to run the ball or throw the ball like they wanted to. Yep. That's okay. Well, you know, the other, thing, the other thing was you told me Castellanos had 46 yards. Yeah. You would have told me he was under 50. I would have told you we were going to win the game. It didn't even matter. His biggest was twelve, and that was like the second, the second play on that second drive when they scored. Mm-hmm. That's we, we talked about how important it was, and it seemed like all game again. And I and again, I, I, I can't I can't sit there and break this down. Brian probably could. It looked like similar to Schrader, the run lanes were not there, and I know they were down. And you can say, 
But that would even be more of an opportunity for run lanes to open. You're right. And they just weren't there. Yeah, they just – I mean, I think rolling into the next game, that was a great game to have rolling into the North Carolina State game because yeah. it's going to be more of the same. I know we're going to get into it a little bit later, but um, they knew their strength. I know that their uh, top running back was out, but it's football. Everybody has somebody hurt. I bet safety was out. Yep. You know, like I I love to see fans talk about somebody being injured. You know what I'm saying? Like Louisville's running back was injured and their backup running back beat the shit out of us. Yeah. You yeah. Know what I'm <laughs> it's football. So yeah. 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 We we, we ain't had arguably our best wide receiver since yeah. the second snap of Purdue. So let's uh... our, our starting tight end was out before the season. <laughs> our probably arguably best wide receiver hadn't played. It's a lot, it's football. Things happen. So um yep. They had their number one rusher, which is their quarterback, and he wasn't getting loose. He ran for 46 yards. So kudos to the defense. We got to give a shout-out to Marv, man. We yeah. don't hear his name enough. Like, Marv is doing a pretty good job with the defense adjusting. Uh, I think somebody may have talked about it last week, talking about wanting to see the adjustments quicker. Was that you, Curtis, or was it Brian? That was me. Yeah, like <laughs> – There was a whole rant. First, it was a whole rant on that. Yeah, that first drive <laughs> – you know, when they went down, because when you talk about game flow, whatever your buddy was talking about, Brian, <laughs> like we went down, we get the pick, we get three points. We're going to talk about that a little later, too, and what went bad. Parker Clemens, I'm coming for you. Um, <laughs> we we get the three points. They get the ball back. I'm in the car. I'm like, this might be a long day. Like, we can't get off the field on third downs. They're just – Quarterbacks just scampering for 10 yards, eight yards here. And they go down. Then the running back bust a big run on us. They go down and score. It's seven to three. So we had to make some adjustments, you know, because those running lanes was open in that first drive. So I'm glad to see that our coaching staff is adjusting and, uh, you know, making some game flow adjustments like we did in this game because – Sometimes I don't be feeling like they can. They know how to do that, and they proved me wrong this week. So, kudos to Mar for having the boys ready to go, making the adjustments on the fly. And we got to say kudos to Cheetah too, and yep. he got them DF, them DBs balling. He did that. He did that. I want to also talk about Brian. You said something last week. What did you talk about? If we didn't do it, it was not going to be a fun day. Tackling. Mm. We did that pretty well. We wrapped up pretty good, man. We wrapped up yeah. pretty good. Now, something I noticed, and I asked Sheldon to look this up for us. Sheldon, what were the linebacker snap counts and then grades? Because I think I saw 38 out there a lot, or 39. 39? 38. 38, okay. Yeah. Like they, they, their numbers shouldn't be that close together. Yeah, they messing us up. I know. What, what we yeah. got there? So, Tisdale played the most, but he only played 34. He was a 56th grade. Again, probably I would say probably 60 is sort of like passing slash serviceable. So Kelly Lawson played 33 snaps. He was not great. Jaden McDonald played 24, and then Jaden Keller played 16. So those are the top four linebackers. It's good to see McDonald and Keller get in there a number of snaps. Mm-hmm. That's to me key. Um, and that and did what was McDonald's grade? Just wondering if Keller, if Tisdale was a 50. McDon- McDonald was around a 50, so not not great. Okay. Not great. But sometimes you don't need to be great. All right, real quick, special teams. That was one of the best onside kicks I've ever seen in my life. I mean, that thing slid. 
And homeboy did not know what to do. And just Jalen Jones just getting in there to poop. Yep. Scooped it up. But let's fire Stu Holt, y'all. <laughs> that the, the, the guy Rogers? on the second line froze, man. He was not expecting that at all. Oh, by, the, by the time he reacted, Jones <laughs> was already in there with the ball. Right. And it, like perfectly angled right past that uh the guy on the front line. Like I said, being on the road, man, sometimes like I'm a phone will go out of service or I got to answer a call or something. And then I get a text message. It says, uh, I think it's Shelton says, uh, ballsy call. And I'm like, what was a ballsy call? <laughs> and then I go back and see we fucking kicked the onside kick. I'm like, okay, pretty cool. But it was a, it was an executing to your point, Brian, it's where it was done because you know, usually you're going to go more angle with an onside kick. Not, not to sneak up the middle. Like you said, it froze that guy. Froze him up. Now, one play I know Tally saw, because we texted about it, mm-hmm. was the lane punt return. Tally, did Luke Shields really block that man in the back, or is it just? I'm going to say fuck no. <laughs> no, he didn't block him in the back. Man, it might have been some contact, but he didn't block him in the back, man. He could... Man, let us get the touchdown. Quit playing around. Y'all trying to let him stay in the game. They was going to catch your ass whooping no matter what. They don't need him trying right. to save him. Hey, See, man, Car- good job, man. Karma jumped in there, and Lane got that touchdown anyway on that ensuing yeah. drive. That little yeah, inside the five touchdown. So, mm-hmm. lots of good all over the place. So, let's flip it over real quick. I'm going to try to wrap this up in about five minutes here. What went bad? Y'all, we, we got to start with stop with the procedural penalties. Tally, go ahead. You said you got to call him out. He had, a, he had an average game, but that first drive, seeing that play. Like, Parker, just stay it. It's fourth and one. We are in the red zone. Just stay on sides. He was so early. I know he wanted to go do some good. I know he wanted to block somebody and get a first down, but just stay on sides, man. You can't jump off sides and move us back and we got to kick a a field goal there. So, yeah, procedural penalties, man. Let's not do that. Don't do that again. Well, the bad thing is, is that we, the play actually happened, and we got the first down, but it was he was offsides <laughs> before the play happened. So, right, way offsides. All right. The other thing, Kyle Lowe quit trying to angle the ball, kick it out of bounds. He kicked another one out of bounds that made me lose my mind. Um, <laughs> that's the that's the drive they scored on too. That is the drive they yeah, scored on. That is the drive they scored on. Started well, kind of kind of set them up nicely there, and they kind of yeah. took advantage of that. Now, the other thing I'll say, and I don't like this going into the game this week against NC State, we put the ball on the ground five times. We recovered three of them. Two were late in the game. I am hoping this week they are working like hell to everybody keep stay on the ball because that is not good at all. Not good at all. We're going to talk about the Grant Wells fumble. We got to talk about the Grant Wells fumble. Y'all don't talk (laughs) about it. I mean (laughs) – he done took he done took enough punishment, man. He took so much. Grant, punishment. I mean, that's what I'm gonna say from BCP. Put the ball in your fucking outside arm. When <laughs> I mean, you had nobody in front of you, nobody around you. You've been playing football long enough. You've probably been doing this since Pee Wee. Switch that ball to the outside arm. So even if it does get punched out, it might just go out of bounds. Like he that ball is no way that that ball is supposed to stay on a line. And it and and tiptoe down the sideline and go out of bounds in the end zone, like that's just not supposed to happen. <laughs> on a string, Grant, you man. need to on pray, man. Grant, you better say your prayers. 
I'll, I'll yeah, say man. this, man. We, I can tell that Grant's been running like running like those forties or fifty yard gassers because he hit about forty five yards, and he lost all that all that juice, man. He was quick too, man. I mean, with, his, with his ankle being bad, I didn't think he was gonna have the juice like that. Like he was getting loose for a minute until the uh, until that uh, old man caught him. And Grant like thirty years old, so you know what I'm saying. He about to be us in a couple of years. Couple of them beers start catching up with him. He, he, he got a little tired, start falling down. But right. yeah, man, we ain't gonna get on Grant too hard. But yeah, you gotta you gotta put the ball in your outside arm, though, man. Good read by him, though. I'll give him that. Great read. Very great very read. good read. We wanted right. the fifty burger. All right, real quick, I'm gonna go through all y'all. One thing you were not prepared for. What we were not prepared for, tally. What I wasn't prepared for. What were you prepared for? Um, let's see. I wasn't prepared to beat them by fucking. 30 points. I wasn't prepared for that. <laughs> All right, Brian? Yeah, I wasn't prepared for a decisive road victory. I expected us to win that game. I was not expecting us to dominate them cover to cover and make them look, frankly, like a bad fucking football team. Cap, Sheldon, anything? Yeah, well, I, was, uh, I wasn't I was prepared for <clears throat> how well they limited Castellanos in the run game. I mean – if you didn't know, he he came into coming to the game. He he was the leading rusher and designed rushing yards among all quarterbacks in the entire country. I think he has 695 rushing yards, leads the country, leads power five and forced missed tackles, leads the entire country in first down runs. Again, this is all among quarterbacks. Like he, he is a very, very good runner with the football, and they held him to, I think, like 2.9 yards per design rushing attempt. Like mm-hmm. 29, 29 yards on 10 carries. So they, they did a great job on him. That was I mean, basically, that was the entire game plan because we know BC doesn't have the guys outside of him. No. So the way the way they shut him down was um, uh, surprisingly unexpected, but pretty nice to see. Very nice for me. It was just the offensive domination, six hundred yards. I mean, if you would have told me four fifty five hundred, I would have been happy. Six hundred is unbelievable, and it's great to see from it. All right, things we got to do moving forward. What y'all got? Let's clean up the penalties. All right. And we're gonna say that every week until we get the, get it done. He wants clean the zero. Up. Clean zero. the up, man. Just not at crazy times, man. You know what I'm saying? Like four for yeah, one. Man. Don't jump off. Like I feel like we've been doing that for a while. Jumping off sides on four for one, no matter whose fault it is. Stay on sides. Don't get shot. Yeah. Uh, my my thing is protect the damn football. Um, yeah. Because when we protect the football, we are a hard team to beat. Chilling, you got anything? Yeah, I just I want to see more from the right side of the offensive line. I mean, there's too many snaps where I think Parker Parker Clements is just out there getting cardio. Uh, I just I need I I need more, man. Bob Chick, I need more. Just got to <laughs> just got to get more, and we'll be we'll be we'll be grooving there to get that. Tally talked about it. Rex talked about it. Don't change a road routine. Figure out something like that every week. I know we've only got one more road game to go. They may have found something with that. All right, so real quick before we get into Know the Enemy, the NC State Wolfpack, here is a quick message from our digital partners and Main Street Pharmacy. I can probably save you a lot of money, and I can take a lot better care of you. That's pretty much it. My name is Jeremy Counts, and I'm a pharmacist. I own and operate Main Street Pharmacy here in downtown Blacksburg. My brother's a pharmacist, I'm a pharmacist, my uncle's a pharmacist, my dad's a pharmacist. I remember he would give me M&Ms to count in little pill counters. This is something I've always done, and I'm just lucky that what I know so well is something that I can do and feel good about it and give back to people. 
Pharmacies are your frontline defense. Pharmacy's job is to make sure you're getting optimal care for the lowest price possible. Also, we take the pressure off of emergency rooms. I'll tell people immediately when they need to go to the doctor or I'll tell them if they just need a cream over the counter. If there's something that isn't commercially available, if it's something that's not available in a certain strength or a certain form or anything like that, we'll make it. Tailor-made medications. Some of those options save people a lot of money. What motivates me? I get to take care of people and live in Blacksburg. That's all I need. As we take a quick break, we'd like to tell you about getting your free website report from our digital partner, Grassroots Digital Marketing Studio. They'll tell you how your website ranks on Google, on-site SEO, and social media. No commitment to buy anything. You can get your free report by visiting grassrootsdigitalstudio.com forward slash free dash website dash report. Now back to the episode. All right, well, let's hit it up here with Know the Enemy for the NC State Wolfpack. And Brian, why don't you start us out here with the offense led by somebody we're all familiar with, Robert and I. Yeah, we are looking at a multiple spread option offense. They'll run tempo occasionally when they get a, a good running play, good good first down play there. Um, definitely a team that's not afraid of the trick play. Um, they'll use a heavy use of motion to kind of shift gap, gap responsibilities and create some mismatches uh, in, the, uh, in the running game and, and occasionally in the passing game as well. Um, he had a great season in 2021, uh, with UVA and had some instant success in 2022 at Syracuse, but, uh, you know, really he hasn't improved the offensive numbers at all here compared to Beck's offense last year at NC state. And I mean, from a defensive side, I mean, this is a very similar offense in terms of strengths and weaknesses that we've seen with Syracuse and BC you know, over the last three weeks or so. So, you know, th- that that's something I think that kind of plays in our favor a little bit is that we're kind of familiar with the type of attack we're, we're expecting to get. All right, Sheldon, I know this team ranks 105 in total offense. They are n- not great statistically, but as you started doing some breakdown, do they do anything good? Is there anything we need to be like, if they start doing this, they might have a decent offensive day? I mean, looking through the numbers, honestly, there's not a lot. I'm just, you know, being real. Um, now, their offensive line has been okay, um, if you want to kind of relay that uh, that segment into it. But, um, you know, they they are solid okay in the run blocking game. I think they've got a couple of good receivers, starting with Kevin Concepcion, who, again, we'll talk about. You know, he's, um, he's pretty big on yards after catch. So, you know, some decent, decent wide receivers, but – in terms of just team results, I mean, I was looking through the stats today. There's just, there's just not a lot there. I mean, they don't generate a ton of explosive plays either in the running game or the passing game. You know, their success rate's not great. It's just, uh, it's pretty bleak for them all around. All righty. Well, Tally, I'll let you lead off with the first player here. Man, number uh, uh, first player we're going to talk about is their wide res- I mean, their uh, quarterback, number five on the stat sheet, number one in Hokies Hearts. Uh, Brandon Armstrong, man, he's no stranger to Hokie Nation, man. He's been playing at UVA, transferred over to North Carolina State because he got tired of losing, getting his ass beat. So he thought it'd be better for him to go over there and play. Um, he's got six touchdowns, six interceptions. Um, earlier this season, got his he got his job took um, by Morris. Then Morris decides he wants the red shirt. Probably gonna transfer, in my opinion. I don't know. But uh, Brandon Armstrong, man, Red Rocket, what you got? Uh, what you got on him, Brian? 
I, I call him uh, Brennan Armweak because he does not have mm. a very strong arm. Mm. Uh, he, he he cannot push the ball down the field very well. Um, you know, pretty pretty decent with uh, with with the intermediate stuff, but um, he's probably he's really going to be a design run scramble drill. That that's his bread and butter. Mm. Uh, that that's where he's at his best. Uh, throwing, he's better on rollouts and improv than he is confined to the pocket. Um, if we can get him in obvious passing situations, that's the better for us. Um, he will escape, make plays with his legs. Obviously, we've seen that. And, um, you know, when when he was at UVA, remember all them UVA fans joking we got Baby Tebow? Baby Tebow. <laughs> yeah, oh, I mean, he's, he's pretty much a worse or smaller Taysom Hill at this point. That's really all he is. All right. Sean, you got anything on him? Yeah, so about middle of the pack as far as PFF grade, he has been a lot better than MJ Morris, who really struggled when, when he played those four games. Um, kind of below average passer rating. He has not been as turnover prone the last couple of years when it comes to interceptions, but he does have a case of fumble-itis with 19 total fumbles in four years as a starter. So definitely something to keep an eye on, especially if he starts if he starts scrambling. He's not running like he used to in terms of just the, the big running plays. Um, and he's, and his receivers have not done him a ton of favors when, when it comes to dropping passes in terms of the passing splits, like Brian was alluding to the deep ball accuracy has been not great. Um, as an aside, it was actually much worse for MJ Morris. Again, who was arguably the worst deep ball passer in the entire power five before they made the switch and he decided mm-hmm. to retreat, but still not great for Armstrong. Um, and, uh, in terms of style stats, NC state is much better running play action with Armstrong in there, I think their completion percentage is about 17% higher when they're running play action, which is one of the biggest uh, differentials in the country compared to when they're, when they do not run play action. So play action passing a big uh, bread, a bread and butter staple for them. All righty. And to me, when I went deep diving through the stats lines this week, they really only have one guy who was absolutely leading this team um, in everything stat-wise when it comes to receiving. That's the uh, true freshman. That's right. I said true freshman. Kevin Concepcion, he's 5'11". He's 185 pounds. He was a three-star out of the state of North Carolina in 2023, the 23rd-ranked player um, out of Julius Chambers down in Charlotte, North Carolina. And so far this season, just statistically speaking, 50 receptions, over 570 yards, a little over 11 uh, per catch, six touchdowns, but that's not all he does, right, Brian? Because um, they've used him quite a. They've used him a few times in the run game as well. Yeah, he's got I think like about twenty carries or something on the season. Um, he's their primary receiving threat. Um, use a lot on trick plays. Use on use him on jet sweeps. Um, they like to even line him up and just run run zone with him as well from time to time. Uh, really good quickness um, and change of direction. Um, top end speed is good, but not elite. Um, he's more of a yards after catch guy, as, uh, as Shelton was alluding to. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, he's he's really their primary threat outside of the quarterback running the football. All righty. And, Shelton, anything additional on Concepcion? Because, I mean, to be a true freshman putting up these kind of numbers, I mean, that's, it's not shabby at all. Yeah, he's been he's been really good. Obviously, the the slot receiver, tenth best grader in the ACC among receivers. Okay. Now he is yeah. not a big he is not a big yards per catch guy. Only around eleven. You know, playing the slot, I'm sure has an impact in that. But what he's very good at, as I alluded to, 
is yards after catch. He has totaled 390 yards after catch this season. Um, and he is also graded as the best pass blocker in ACC. So I guess NC State likes to you know pass block with the right receivers a little bit. Um, so that's that's one strength of this game as well. Super interesting to see that. All right, let's flip because as me and Brian started chatting about this, um, skill position wise, we really couldn't find much else because there is no other wide receivers on this team. Um, and I'm saying this, there's nobody else. There's nobody above 200 yards receiving. There's no running back above 300 yards. I mean, we're, we're 10 games in. 10 yeah. games into the season. That's saying there's nobody that can get 30 yards a game from them other than Brennan Armstrong. So, Brian, I'll let you go with this sort of hodgepodge of who else are you thinking of? Because I looked at the injury report today, and Michael Allen, um, you know, he got hurt during the weight game. And yeah, I mean, he they're, they're going to use playing. a – yeah, they they you know they got some other receivers out there. They get very limited targets. Uh, Conception's really the guy. Um, when it comes to the running back, they rotate a bevy of running backs in there. The guy to keep an eye on probably is going to be Kendrick Raphael. Um, he had a pretty decent uh, snap count against uh, Wake. Um, he is a freshman, um, but he's really kind of the guy that the, the the flavor of the month. He's kind of the guy that's getting the most run of late. Um, but expect to see you know five plus bodies in the backfield, including Concepcion at some point um, at the running back position this week. That is pretty wild to see. And I know Sheldon already alluded to just a few minutes ago about their run game, Brian, um, talking about pretty good run blocking grade. Did the tape kind of, uh, did the tape kind of say that as well? Yeah, I'd call them above average in the run blocking. Um, they do a pretty good job of on their double teams, getting to the second level, things like that. Um, I'd call their pass pro very mid. Um, I'd, I'd call their blitz pickup poor. Okay. All right. Anything else? I know you already mentioned the uh, run grades. Anything on the pass pro grades for that offensive line group, Sheldon? Yes, exactly what Brian said. So in terms of pass protection, they do not have anyone that grades particularly highly. N- none that are awful, but just none that are really stand out. Um, their highest graded player, I'm looking through it here. Um, so Dylan McMahon, their center, is up there. Um He's, uh, yeah, he kind of uh, took over for Lyndon Cooper, who was struggling a little bit. They moved him around a couple positions, so um, he's not starting anymore. They got left tackle Anthony Bellman started every game. Anthony Carter, their left guard, has played both guard spots. He is their worst graded among starters at 58.9. Now, again, 60 is considered passing, so all in all, that's not terrible. It's just, uh, on the whole, kind of a pretty average to maybe a slightly below average unit. Um, and then they've also got... <clears throat> Right guard, Timothy McKay, he struggled the past, you know, three games or so. And then right tackle, Jacarius Peak started the last three games. They switched him over from left tackle, but he did have his best game of the season last time out against Wake Forest. So, again, no real standouts there, but also no guys that are really that too bad either. All righty. So there it is, some uh, information on the uh, NC State offense. And I'm going to put this up here just because he's our buddy and he does know some people is confirming that Michael is hurt. So, okay. Um, and that's, that's someone that put up some decent stats for them this year. Um, pull it up here real quick. Michael Allen had went 52 rushes for 251 yards, right, averaging right at five a game. So as far as it goes, yards per game, him and Kendrick Raphael that you mentioned there, Brian, were the uh, leaders there. 
in yards per game against guys who got some carries. So that is an interesting turn right there. All right, let's flip to the other side of the ball because this team is not built on offense. It is built on defense. Brian, what are we seeing? Yeah, we got the Tony Gibson 3-3-5 stack there. Um, super aggressive, uses pressure um, and confusion to gain advantage over offenses. Uh, lots of disguise coverage. Um, still mostly going to be cover three, cover one, cover six, but they're they're going to disguise that and kind of make things look a lot different than what we're used to just because of the the nature of the 3-3-5 alignment there. Um, and, yeah, I mean, it's it's this, is, this team lives and dies by their defense. They honestly got to do, and to me, they live and die by one player, and that is the sixth year. Yes, I said sixth year. He was a 2018 commit there. A one of them. just leave. I don't understand why he didn't leave last year. His NIL deal must be really big. Well, he must not – well, actually, I'm going to ask uh, Sheldon a question on Peyton Wilson just second year. He was a top 50 player when he came out. He was a four-star, a 97 ranking on 247. And so far this year, um, he is a Benderic semifinalist. When you get into the, to be – the semifinalists of some of those, your stats are good. Your play is usually good. And so far this season, 112 tackles, 12 for loss. He added four sacks to that, two picks. He also scored a touchdown, six pass deflection, two fumble recoveries. He is He's a everywhere. do-it-all. He is everywhere. everywhere. And it's been like that pretty much his entire career. And, Brian, why is that? Uh, it's simply that he's the best player on both sides of the football for this team. I mean, he is – Probably, probably even head and shoulders at this point. Um, you know, he's the outside linebacker. They use him very heavily in blitz packages. Um, he's a lot he plays a lot of backside in the run support on the on the weak side there. Um, really good instincts in pursuit. Um, really good at kind of working through the shit as it, as it were. Um, he, he he's able to get through there, make plays. Um, doesn't get caught up in blocks and things like that very often. Um, just really good speed as well. Um, kind of tracks the ball well, especially in coverage as well. So he's he's not really a, a liability in coverage like some of your linebackers would be. All righty, uh, the the stats say it. Brian's eyes says it. Do the do the deep analytical points say he's elite? So yes, I mean there's really nothing that he's not excel at. So fifth highest graded ACC defender, second best among linebackers. He's good in the run defense, good in tackling, and also excellent in coverage with the 56 passer rating against, which is really good for a linebacker. Second in ACC in tackles, and also leads the conference in stops, which PFF categorizes as a, a tackle that is a loss for the defense. He's got 54 in the year. I think the next closest guy is not very close, probably like at 45. So nine best, the next closest guy is pretty good. And obviously he's been in college for six years. He's a Buckus Award finalist. But it's not the Nick. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, there's just, I mean, there's just nothing that he doesn't do well. Mm-hmm. All right, so I think what uh, you put, you can put up what Robbie said. I think him just being injured uh, often is why he probably came back. You know, probably has some unfinished business because he's been hurt just about every year. So I think that's one of the things uh, that brought him back. But uh, next, we'll talk about uh, Big Davin Van. Um, from what Cary, North Carolina, mm-hmm. he was class of 2020. He was a four star, um, 247 athlete, uh, composite ranking. Let's see here, it's kind of weird though when I looked up his stuff because he was ranked very high, but his um, 
offers didn't kind of match up to what his ranking was. His biggest offers were North Carolina State and uh, Louisville, you know, and then he has um, a couple other offers kind of peppered in there, but they're smaller yet. Uh, App State, uh, Central Michigan, Coastal Carolina, East Carolina, uh, Liberty. He may have just got the North Carolina um, offer and decided, hey, that's where he was going to go. But didn't have a lot of big, uh, didn't have a lot of big offers coming out of high school, from what I can see. Um, let me see here. I had another stat for you, but we'll just throw it to Brian. Brian, what you got on him? Yeah, I mean, he's a, another very strong run defender. Um, I really like what he does. He's a very versatile player. Um, he's a DN, but they'll kind of line him up all across the interior there, from a five all the way to a, a shade or a one. Uh, so he can really kind of do everything. Um, I'd, I'd say he's probably an average pass rusher overall, but he will occasionally flash. And he's really good at collapsing and pressing the pocket. All righty. Uh, Callie, did you – I got the stat line pulled up here. What was catching your eye, do you recall? So I, mean, I got the stats pulled up here. I mean, he's got like – 34 tackles, five and a half sacks this year. Yeah, that's what it was. I was looking at his stat, at his uh, sacks, just kind of seeing what his sacks was. Yeah, five and a half for this year, leading the team. So, I mean, mm. pretty daggum good on that end. And, uh, again, it's another good player. Again, high rank. And I think probably it's what you said, Tally. Probably got committed early and just stayed there. That's where he wanted to play. Carries not mm. far from Raleigh, I can tell you. Well, that's what Robbie said. He said oh, – there you go. Yeah, he said the school looked that good, I guess. So probably didn't have a lot of people coming there to look at him. You know, no mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All righty. One shout more out guy. To Robbie. Shout out to Robbie. Robbie uh, out there. Robbie filling in the gas for us. I always love it. Uh, exactly, exactly. <laughs> All right, one more player we're going to look out here, and that is the cornerback, Aiden White. Um, Aiden White, a 2022 all-ACC cornerback, and I mean – if you take a look last year at what he did, he was really good with 46 tackles, four picks, nine pass deflections. So, real deal. He was a three-star 88 when he came out of Christ School down in Arden, North Carolina, a top 20 player in the state of North Carolina that year. And this year he ain't shabby either. 27 tackles. He's got two picks already, seven pass deflections in nine games. So, he has missed a game this year. And – um. Again, to me, probably a guy who's probably going to leave after this year after having these two really good back-to-back years for NC State. Brian, what's the tape telling you on him? Yeah, he's a, he's a very balanced corner, really good at playing the run in the pass. Um, not afraid to stick his head in there and make a play in the run game. Uh, pretty sure tackler for a cornerback. Um, in, in terms of coverage, I like him more in man than in zone, but he's, he's not a slouch in zone either. Um, and he plays a lot longer than his six-foot height. Um, even when he's covering tall receivers, he's he's high-pointing the ball well. He's getting the ball out of their hands. Um, so you're not going to create a lot of mismatches against him, even though he's you know six-foot or you know, pro- probably more like 5'11 uh, in, in, the, in, the, in the shoes there. So um, really good cornerback, um, definitely someone you don't want to test too often. All righty. So that kind of wraps up the players we're going to look out there. And now what we're going to look at, we're going to take a look at the Hokie keys to victory, things that each of us feels like has to happen Saturday for the Hokies to get the win. And um, since he's been quiet for a few minutes here, Sheldon, what's your key on this? What do the Hokies have to do or what do we have to prevent NC State from doing? 
I would say just defensively, um, you know, don't allow successful run plays on first down. I mean, I feel like I kind of say that a lot, but it really is true. Like so much of football is just predicated on first down success. Like Mm -hmm. first down is there to set up second down, which is there to ideally set up third down. So if you're successful on first down, ideally that's going to set you up for more success on the later downs. And I think when you look at NC state's offense, they, their, their inability to generate explosive plays is going to make it very difficult for them to continue with drives if they are behind the sticks on second down. So, you know, just take care of business on those early downs. And I think they'll be good. I think, um, you know, defensively, I, I don't have any too, too many concerns about, you know, tech's ability to, you know, get a few points on the board, but just, Take care of business on those early downs, and they'll be cooking. All right, Brian, what do you got? Yeah, and this will you know play off of Sheldon's. I, I I think early success on on both ways. Like if, we're, if we're successful on early downs on offense, we're getting um, you know solid plays on first down. I think that bodes well for us. Um, Sheldon mentioned it earlier. Um, they're most successful in the passing game off play action. If you're holding them to uh, no gain or short gain on first down play action becomes less of a factor in their offense. So um, success on early downs is definitely going to be the key on both sides. All right. What do you got, Tally? Oh, man. Somebody put it up earlier, too. Um, I can't remember who put it up in the comments, but just still a possession, you know, special teams. Uh, we had an onside kick. Do that again if we need it. You know, fake punt if we need it. Like, Find a way to steal a possession from them, you know, because that's – we got to have some kind of success besides just being able to – there it is. Robbie, I should have knew who it was. <laughs> Continue special teams uh, surprises, you know. Like, we got to find a way to steal a possession from them because they're going to come in and they're a good team. But guess what? They're coming in our house and we need to beat them. So, let's do that. Steal a possession is what I say. All righty. Um I'm kind of with you, but on the opposite side, don't let them steal a possession. Protect the football at all costs. They are one of the best ball hawking, forcing turnover teams in the country. I don't lie, back it up. They're number five in the country. They have taken the ball away 20 times this year, 20 times. In 10 games, that means they're getting two turnovers every game. Mm. We we, we give it up two times, that ain't going to be good at all. They have – 14 picks, and they have four six fumbles. We protect the ball and we play clean. I don't think their offense is good enough to continue to drive the ball, and I think we've got enough playmakers because we've got more than one where I think we can score some points. So what does that lead to? Well, it leads to prediction time, and that's brought to you by Big Screeners, um, presented by Prize Picks. Big Screeners present, always presented by Prize Picks. Prize Picks, a daily fantasy app where you make entries based on players' projected outcomes. Um, I have not looked at it this week. I've been busy uh, at work doing real work, not playing around, so I haven't had a chance to pull this up. But always go in there and check it out. Prize Picks will match up any deposit up to $100 when you sign up using the code BCPICKS. Use the QR code you see right at the top right there. Um or go to our website, boundarycorner.com, BC Picks. Uh, I did not get last week's records, but let's start with the hokey stuff first. Um, we'll go reverse here. Brian, uh, you start us off. All right. Uh, I don't think that's the order. I think I had Shelton leading off. Oh, Shelton. 
We're uh, we're starting with uh, VT. Yep. yep. Tech game. What do you think? What's your prediction? Yeah, yeah, for this uh, game? yeah. I've got uh, I've got the Hokies. Um, I think this is a big senior day opportunity. I think a win against a good team like NC State would validate a lot of the work that Tech has put into their improvement this season. And I think they are just due for a win against a, a really solid opponent. So I've got Tech. All right. Who's next, Brian? It's me. Okay. It's me. Who do you got, bro? <laughs> <laughs> I got the Hokies, man. Um, I think this is, a like like Sheldon said, this is a big opportunity to kind of prove yourself against a quality opponent. Uh, I feel like we've ratcheted up our play against um, – you know, we, we've we've seen some of the bottom end of the ACC. We've seen like a couple of the kind of the middle of the pack ACC teams. This is kind of flirting with the with the top half there. Um, mm-hmm. Let's see how we do, but I think we can pull it off. I think it's going to be a big day for uh, the defense shutting down that that uh, horrible NC State offense. I think the offense on our side is going to do enough uh, to pull out a victory there. Uh, I've got the Hokies on, on this one. Uh, it's going to be tight there at the end, but it's going to be 27-24 Hokies. All righty. I see you got me here next. Um, and I'm not far behind you, Brian. Um, I do think the Hokies win this game, and I think it's more of predicated on the NC State offense because I think we, we see the Hokies, and there's been one game this season where we've struggled to move the ball. That was Louisville game. Every other game we have moved the ball – and even as good as the NC State defense is, I think we're going to pop them three or four times. While we win this game, in my prediction, 27-16, is because I think eventually that defense is going to wear out. We And being Hokies fan, we saw, we've seen that how many times in the past where offense can't do anything, three and out, or get a first down, and then immediately go three and out right after. Um, and I think we win the game 27-16. It's not going to be just the 21 nothing, and it's over in the first half, sort of a slow grind. And by the fourth quarter, their defense is so gassed, especially the way they blitz, like uh, Robbie said. Also, protect drones because they're going to bring the pressure. Um, you see this one playing out more like Wake? Um, yeah, you could say kind of like Wake. Um, yeah, kind of like Wake, just – with Wake, it was more we just kept en- en- engulfing them on offense, on defense more and more and more, where I think this is going to be a little vice versa. Tally, well, tally. it's up to me, huh? Yep. Man, hey, all you. It. Hey, y'all know how we are, man. We all ride together here at BCP. We got everybody. We picking the Hokies to win except me. I'm picking NC State. I got to fade the Hokies. I have to go back and look at my record. It's been very bad this year, but most of the time when I fade the Hokies, they win. So I'm saying I'm the reason that they win. <laughs> Every time I fade them, they come out and prove me wrong. So bulletin board material. It's tally's been fade tally all year. The Hokies are playing tally's, along even. <laughs> tally's fat-ass face on the board saying we're going to lose. Let's go win. All righty, Tally going NC State. He ain't going back to prediction. He just say NC State gonna win, so we can, uh, so uh, we have some bulletin board material for the guys. Take, uh, get, get, hey, get up there, get up close to the camera, big smile, so they can get your picture tomorrow. All right. Well, as always, we <laughs> always have other big screeners as well because we watch all sorts of college football all weekend. And Tally, you are leading us off this week. What is your big screener of the week? I got Louisville and. Miami, that is pretty much a pick them. Uh, I don't know why, because I think Louisville is going to beat them. I know they're going to Miami to uh, to play, but I got Louisville taking this game. 
All righty, Sheldon, what about you on this one? Yeah, I'm taking Louisville. I don't think Miami is as bad as people think they are, although their quarterback, Tyler Van Dyke, had a weird quote on Twitter that kind of blew up and maybe got a little bit misinterpreted by their fan base. So there's not a – the scene is not great in Miami right now from you know behind-the-scenes perspective. So I'm, I'm going Louisville. All righty, Brian. Yeah, I'm going Louisville here. I feel like, I mean, it's still early, but the pitchforks are already starting to come out for Crystal Ball a little bit. Uh, I don't. I, I still think it's early. I think he needs a, a couple more years to to fix that culture. He's getting the players. Um, it's going to take some some more time to kind of turn that thing around, though. So uh, I, I don't think they're quite there yet. I think Louisville takes this one. Um. Yep. And I'm still trying to figure out why it's a half point. I'm with y'all on Louisville. If you look at the injury report this week, the biggest loss is Henry Parrish, one of the kind of the one-two back combos down at Miami, probably will not play uh, for this game. He got hurt in the Florida State game, and to me that's a big loss, um, especially against Louisville and especially against the way they pass, and we saw how that works straight up. So, yeah, across the board, give us the red. Um, Even though Louisville's not ground road. Listen – I think there's a part of us. I think the reason probably Tally chose this game was because if Louisville does get upset, we're back in play. We're back in play. We yeah. we still need UNC to beat Clemson and, and win out, but yeah, we're back in we're play. back in play. Back in play. All righty. I am the next one here, and I'm going way out west for a 7:30 game out in Corvallis, a scary place to play for any top ranked team. And that's what's going to be the Washington Huskies versus the Oregon State Beavers. And Oregon State is getting the two-and-a-half line at home. And mm. and I know Oregon State's having a great season. They're eight and two. DJ is resurrected. Clearly, DJ wasn't a problem in Death Valley. Um, but in this case, I think what's helping Washington, because I am picking Washington, give me the points for the number five team in the country. The reason I'm picking them is that was a scare from Utah last week. Good teams get scared. Usually the next week against a team who's not quite as good as them, they put it on them. That's why I'm going with the uh, the Huskies. What you got, Tally? Yeah, I'm going to go Huskies as well because anytime I go against them, they come out and win. So <laughs> they've had a lot of close games, but they keep winning. There you go. Uh, Shelton. Yes, I'm going Huskies. I just – I like their offense. I like Michael Penix, and I don't think Oregon State has the, the, the firepower to keep up. All right, Brian, Brian. Yeah, I'm riding with the uh, the Husky as well. I think Penix is going to take care of business. Um, and it's, it's going to be a tight one, but I think they pull it out. Uh, got them winning out right here. All right. Tight one for Big Penix. <laughs> Oh, you, know, you hate when that happens, right? Or you love when that happens. I don't know. Depends, oh, Lord. Depends on who you are. <laughs> All right, Brian, what's yours for this week? All right. I had to go with the uh, the Battle of Kansas here. We got K-State, Kansas. You know what? That line is eight. And to me, that's just that's a little too much for me. So I'm taking Kansas here. Uh, I, think it's, I think Kansas State's going to win the game. But I think it's going to be more like a – six or seven point win i think the eight is just a little too much for my liking yeah and i'm with you the sunflower showdown there um at kansas state 
I'm taking Kansas as well. I think that's too much. I think Lance Leopold's too good of a coach. I think it's too big of a rivalry. Um, so I think can again I, I lean Kansas State, but it's one of those anytime you feel sometimes it's just certain coaches, right? You're gonna give that coach that many points. That man knows how to coach and motivate. I think Kansas hangs in there. Um and I, but I do think Kansas State eventually uh does win the game. Tally. Man, I got to go K-State, man. Right. Leopold's probably about to get out of there. Hell, I know somebody, all these jobs coming up, and somebody's going to try to come take him. And he might be looking He might be looking uh, to somewhere, I don't know, SEC, anywhere. He might be looking for some more money. K-State, I got them winning this one. All right. Yeah, I'm taking Yo. K-State. I just, I just don't like the way Kansas has been playing the past few weeks, and by contrast – Kansas State has been kicking some butt. They just ran Baylor out of town last week. So I think the cats are hot. All righty. There we go. Just going to throw some other ones up here from some of the folks uh, listening out there tonight. That's on the Miami game. Got a couple on there. Yep. Since yeah. Tally brought it up, be sure that everyone on uh, on social media, on Twitter, on Facebook, uh, do not share coaches going elsewhere stories without – Checking the veracity of the information first. No, no, there's a bunch no. of folks that already got bit on two or three different oh, yeah. scenarios. Yes, here. they did. Uh, yes, shout they out did. the drift. <laughs> All righty, Sheldon, where are you going this week for your big screen, sir? I'm going UNC Clemson. I think it's going to be a really good game. To me, people have overreacted to Clemson this year. I think they're. I still think they're a good team despite their win loss record. I think that UNC has a better quarterback, even though Clemson has a better overall team. Uh, I've got Clemson to win, but UNC will cover. All right, Clemson wins, UNC's cover. Brian, what are you doing with this one in Death Valley on Saturday? I'm going the exact same way that Shelton is going there. I've got Clemson winning, but I've got UNC covering. That's coming down to the wire. Uh, probably about a three or four point win there for the Tigers. All righty. And I am next on this one. Um, I don't know who's going to win, but I like I like you said, Shelton, a little earlier, Drake May's the better quarterback, even though the Clemson's the better overall team. Um, give me Carolina. I'll take the six and a half and probably a very uh, entertaining game. Tally, tally. Yeah, I got to go Clemson on this one, man. You know, Devil – People like, I mean, what Shelton started out with Clemson, they, 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 they're rebuilding, but Dabo's a good coach, man. He's going to put up that material about everybody talking about how sorry they is. And I think that he knows UNC is a, a pretty good team. So I think he's going to go and pull out all the stops and try to get a big win here. All righty. There we go. UNC for our hopes. All right. All right. Some people like liking Clemson in this one. All right. There is one more. And I think we're going to probably start as this is the official beginning or the eve of hate week. We're going to be picking the UVA Duke game with Duke laying three and a half points. Um, come back next week, it'll be a lot more vitriol. But Brian, what you got on this one? I got Duke winning because, you know, fuck UVA. All right. <laughs> Easy enough. Um, I got Duke winning. I got Duke covering. I don't know why this line is three and a half. I, if Riley Leonard's playing, that's great. 
I've seen Duke's defense. It's going to be able to take uh, UVA down enough. And if you really want to know why they're going to win, UVA, one of the worst rushing defenses in the country. Duke goes for about 195 to 200 on the ground. Tally. Yeah, I got to go Duke, man. I mean, UVA is playing pretty decent ball with everybody they play. They're playing everybody close. But when it comes down to it, they just can't pull out a win in most of the game. So when you look at a line like three and a half, I just think Duke's going to beat them by a touchdown. All right. Shelton? Well, I finally got a, a game right involving UVA. I've had an insufferable time picking them against the spread this year. <laughs> I, I got it right last week, and I will take Duke this week. I think Duke is a good team. I think UVA, they, they've had some moments, but I think they're going to fall back to earth. Uh, All righty. Falling back earth the last week and then hitting the ground hard the yeah. week after that. Boys, anything coming out on Twitter, social media, any fake uh, – any fake coaching hires, fires in the last little while here? Not since we pressed play, man. All righty. Well, that does wrap up this episode of the Boundary Corner Podcast brought to you by Main Street Pharmacy in Blacksburg. I'm Curtis Wilson. I'm Brian Siegler. Jonathan Talley. And I am Shelton Moss. And Hokey Rocks agree with me. 300 on the ground. 300 on the ground. Visit Don't our website, BoundaryCornerBT.com. Listen to all of our episodes. Check the merchandise shop out. If you are listening on Twitter, Facebook, anywhere like that, the link is now in there. You can go right to it. Um, also, follow us, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Also, subscribe to the YouTube channel. Um, we appreciate y'all. That has been kind of driving up more and more and more. Favorite podcast source, Spotify, Amazon, and Apple Podcasts. Jason Long plays us in, plays us out every week. Check him out at jasonlongmusic.com. Get all his music, Apple, Spotify, his YouTube, and his Facebook pages. As always, we thank y'all for listening out there. And let's go. Okay. Okay. Okay.